Chapter Four, Part Two of National Gambling Impact Study Commission Final Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. National Gambling Impact Study Commission Final Report by the United States Government. Chapter Four, Part Two. The Costs of Problem Gambling. Estimating the cost of problem and pathological gambling is an extraordinarily difficult exercise, and a subject of heated debate. Without common standards of measurement, comparisons are problematic at best. Dollar costs would allow the clearest comparisons, especially in relation to the economic benefits from gambling. Yet how can human suffering be tallied in terms of money? And many of the consequences commonly attributed to problem gambling, such as divorce, child abuse, depression, and so forth, may be the result of many factors that are difficult to single out. Inevitably, attempts to estimate the costs of problem and pathological gambling differ enormously. THE COSTS TO PROBLEM AND PATHOLOGICAL GAMBLERS Problem or pathological gambling can affect the life of the gambler and others in varied and profound ways. The NRC study stated that although the research in this area is sparse, it suggests that the magnitude and extent of personal consequences on the pathological gambler and his or her family may be severe. That report notes that many families of pathological gamblers suffer from a variety of financial, physical, and emotional problems, including divorce, domestic violence, child abuse, and neglect, and a range of problems stemming from the severe financial hardships that commonly result from problem and pathological gambling. Children of compulsive gamblers are more likely to engage in delinquent behaviors, such as smoking, drinking, and using drugs, and have an increased risk of developing problem or pathological gambling themselves. The National Research Council also noted the existence of a number of costly financial problems related to problem or pathological gambling, including crime, loss of employment, and bankruptcy. According to NRC, as access to money becomes more limited, gamblers often resort to crime in order to pay debts, appease bookies, maintain appearances, and garner more money to gamble. NRC also states that another cost to pathological gamblers is loss of employment. Roughly one-fourth to one-third of gamblers in treatment in Gamblers Anonymous report the loss of their jobs due to gambling. In addition, according to NRC, bankruptcy presents yet another adverse consequence of excessive gambling. In one of the few studies to address bankruptcy, Leducier et al., 1994, found that 28% of the 60 pathological gamblers attending the Gamblers Anonymous reported either that they had filed for bankruptcy or reported debts of 75000 to 150000 Others who are impacted by problem and pathological gambling include relatives and friends, who are often the source of money for the gambler. Employers may experience losses in the form of lowered productivity and time missed from work. Problem and pathological gamblers often engage in a variety of crimes, such as embezzlement, or simply default on their financial obligations. During our site visits, the Commission heard testimony from social service providers that churches, charities, domestic violence shelters, and homeless shelters are often significantly burdened by the problems created by problem and pathological gamblers. Some costs can be assigned a dollar figure. The Commission heard repeated testimony from compulsive gamblers who reported losing tens and even hundreds of thousands of dollars to gambling. Problem and pathological gamblers appear to spend a disproportionate amount of money on gambling compared to non-problem gamblers. According to NRC, these individuals report spending four and a half times as much on gambling each month as do non-problem gamblers. The Cost to Society 
In addition to the costs of problem and pathological gambling borne by the individual and his or her family, there are broader costs to society. NORC estimated that the annual average costs of job loss, unemployment benefits, welfare benefits, poor physical and mental health, and problem or pathological gambling treatment is approximately $1,200 per pathological gambler per year, and approximately $715 per problem gambler per year. NORC further estimated that lifetime costs, bankruptcy, arrests, imprisonment, legal fees for divorce, and so forth, at $10,550 per pathological gambler, and 5130 per problem gambler. With these figures, NORC calculated that the aggregate annual costs of problem and pathological gambling caused by the factors cited above were approximately $5 billion per year, in addition to $40 billion in estimated lifetime costs. NORC admittedly focused on a small number of tangible consequences, and did not attempt to estimate the financial costs of any gambling-related incidences of theft, embezzlement, suicide, domestic violence, child abuse, and neglect, and the non-legal costs of divorce. As a result, its figures must be taken as minimums. According to NORC, the current economic impact of problem and pathological gambling, in terms of population or cost per prevalent case, appears smaller than the impacts of such lethal competitors as alcohol abuse, estimated annual cost of $166 billion, and heart disease, estimated annual cost of $125 billion. However, the costs that are measured through health-based estimates do not capture all of the consequences important to the person, family, or society. The burden of family breakdown, for example, is outside of these measures. Treating the problem. According to therapists and other professionals in the field, pathological gambling is a difficult disorder to treat. As with substance abuse, treatment for pathological gambling is a costly, time-consuming effort, often without quick results and with a high degree of reoccurrence. Given the lack of information about the root causes of the disorder and the relatively new awareness of the phenomenon, at least on a large scale, no single treatment approach has been devised. Instead, a variety of different approaches are employed with mixed results. Unfortunately, as the NRC report noted, few studies exist that measure the effectiveness of different treatment methods. Those that do exist lack a clear conceptual model and specification of outcome criteria, fail to report compliance and attrition rates, offer little description of actual treatment involved or measures to maintain treatment fidelity by the counselors, and provide inadequate length of follow-up. Not surprisingly, the effectiveness of these various treatments are not well substantiated in the literature. However, one thing that is known is that each has a high recidivist rate. For example, the only known survey on the effectiveness of Gamblers Anonymous found that only 8% of GA members were in abstinence after one year in the group. Understanding the rate and processes of natural recovery among pathological gamblers also would enhance our understanding of the etiology of the disorder and advance the development of treatment strategies. Several Canadian investigators have recently embarked on investigations of natural recovery among disordered gamblers. Dr. Rachel Volberg has conjectured that prevalence studies, which usually show a lower rate of pathological gambling among adults than youth, might be evidence of one form of natural recovery, as young people experience the maturing out process and leave behind risky behaviors as they enter adulthood. 
natural recovery estimates also will affect economic cost studies. The majority of state affiliates of the National Council on Problem Gambling report that most insurance companies and managed care providers do not reimburse treatment for pathological gambling, even though pathological gambling is a recognized medical disorder. As a result, people seeking treatment generally must pay out of their own pockets, which severely limits treatment options given the limited financial resources of most pathological gamblers. Even where treatment is available, however, only a small percentage of pathological gamblers may actually seek help. According to NORC, preliminary research suggests that only 3% of pathological gamblers seek professional assistance in a given year. Private Sector Efforts After a quarter century of dynamic growth and heated competition, leaders in the gambling industry are only now beginning to seriously address the existence of problem and pathological gambling among millions of their patrons. The American Gaming Association, AGA, which represents a wide range of casinos, has initiated several efforts to address problem and pathological gambling, and is the largest source of funding for research on problem and pathological gambling. Members of the AGA have committed $7 million to researching several aspects of problem and pathological gambling. Helplines also have been established by AGA. In addition, the industry has created the Responsible Gaming Resource Guide, second edition, which lists programs and efforts in each state to assist problem and pathological gamblers. However laudable these efforts, industry funds earmarked for treatment for pathological gambling are minuscule compared to that industry's total revenue. Critics have assailed the relatively modest industry efforts in this area by asserting that a large percentage of gambling revenues are derived from problem and pathological gamblers. NORC calculated that they account for about 15% of total U.S. gambling revenues, or about $7.6 billion per year, based on total annual gambling revenues of $50 billion. Dr. Henry Lesueur calculated that problem and pathological gamblers account for an average of 30.4% of total gambling expenditures in the four U.S. states and three Canadian provinces he examined. Other recent studies at the state level provide further evidence. A 1998 study commissioned by the state of Montana found that problem and pathological gamblers account for 36% of electronic gambling device revenues, 28% of live kino expenditures, and 18% of lottery scratch ticket sales. A 1999 study for the Louisiana Gaming Control Board indicated that problem and pathological gamblers in Louisiana comprise 30% of all spending in riverboat casinos, 42% of Indian casino spending, and 27% of expenditures on EGD machines. In addition to casinos, the Perry Mutual industry also has begun to take steps to address the issues surrounding the problem and pathological gambling. In 1998, the American Horse Council established the Responsible Wagering Resources Guide for Racing Managers. Additionally, four major racing organizations, the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, Inc., the Thoroughbred Racing Associations of North America, Inc., Harness Tracks of America, and the American Quarter Horse Association, have joined together in an initiative to address problem and pathological gambling among both patrons and employees. The American Greyhound Track Operators Association has advised that an all-out effort will be undertaken this year to educate both management and patrons about problem and pathological gambling. Casino Questionnaire the Commission mailed a questionnaire to approximately 550 casinos nationwide. 
Of 143 responses, the top 25 non-tribal casinos responded. There are some hopeful signs found in the responses. Fifteen of the largest 25 non-tribal casinos use professional personnel to train management and staff to help identify problems or pathological gamblers among their customers or employees. Not quite half of all tribal and non-tribal casinos below the top 25 that responded said that they used such personnel. Eleven of the largest 25 non-tribal casinos said they formulated criteria to guide staff in identifying problem and pathological gamblers. Around four of ten among the non-tribal casinos below the top 25 and the tribal casinos responding set such criteria for their staff to follow. Twenty-four of the twenty-five largest non-tribal casinos offered insurance coverage for the cost of treating problem or pathological gambling among employees. About six of every ten among non-tribal casinos below the top twenty-five, and slightly more among the tribal casinos did likewise. Twenty of the twenty-five largest non-tribal casinos contributed during 1998 to programs or organizations that foster research or treatment for problem and pathological gamblers about seven of every ten tribal casinos, and about half of the non-tribal casinos below the top twenty-five, also contributed in varying amounts. The top twenty-five non-tribal casinos averaged four referrals for treatment during 1998, of either employees or customers, to persons qualified to provide options for professional treatment. Non-tribal casinos below the top twenty-five provided referral guidance nine times on the average during 1998. Tribal casinos averaged 16 referrals in the same period to record the best effort. Nonprofit and Other Efforts A number of grassroots treatment groups have emerged throughout the United States in response to this problem. The National Council on Problem Gambling, NCPG, is a leader in this area, acting as a national coordinating body for its 34 state affiliates, as well as for other treatment organizations and self-help groups. Its overall purpose is to disseminate information about problem and pathological gambling to promote the development of services for those afflicted with the disorder. Among the services provided by the NCPG are a nationwide helpline and a referral resource database. Funding comes from membership dues, affiliate dues, grants, and private contributions. One of the most important nonprofit groups working in this area is Gamblers Anonymous, GA. Modeled after the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, individuals can attend meetings in their area to receive support and counseling from fellow problem and pathological gamblers and professionals. The number of GA chapters has increased from 650 in 1990 to 1,328 in October of 1998, a period of rapid legalized gambling expansion. In contrast to other non-profit organizations, GA is entirely funded through private contributions, mainly from its members. Although some colleges offer training courses for counselors and treatment programs for students with gambling-related disorders, the most important contribution at the university level is in research. One of the leaders in the field, the Harvard University Medical School Division on Addictions, supports ongoing research and publications on addictive behavior, including a focus on problem and pathological gambling. Government Response State Efforts A few states have begun allocating a relatively small amount of money for treatment services, usually drawn from tax receipts on gambling revenues. These amounts, although inadequate to the task, represent a welcome start in providing sufficient resources.
Most state efforts involve contributing to non-profit organizations that deal with problem and pathological gambling. According to the National Council on Problem Gambling, NCPG, state governments focus on funding treatment and education on pathological and problem gambling rather than on research efforts. However, state appropriations for problem and pathological gambling are small when compared to resources allotted to other mental health and substance abuse services. According to the NCPG's 1998 National Survey of Problem Gambling Programs, the combined resource allocation by states is approximately $20 million annually to 45 different organizations. This amount represents only 0.01% of the total $18.5 billion that states receive from gambling. Most of the funds are portions of tax revenues from gambling operations within the state, private industry contributions, and contributions by tribal governments. The amounts of funding, types of assistance programs, and the contributors vary greatly from state to state. For example, Iowa allots over $3 million, less than 0.4%, of its gross gambling revenues from lotteries, riverboat casinos, and slots at racetracks, to the Iowa Gambling Treatment Program. One of the few state-run efforts, it consists of two main components, promoting public awareness and offering assistance through its helpline. However, the program does not address treatment, training, research, or prevention. Connecticut's approach is more comprehensive and treatment-oriented. There, the state government contributes a portion of lottery revenues and peri-mutual tax revenues to the Connecticut Compulsive Gambling Treatment Program. This nonprofit organization offers services for training, treatment, and prevention, conducts research, and raises public awareness. Given the importance of prevention measures, especially those aimed at underage gamblers, some states have begun to establish public awareness and early intervention programs to curtail gambling problems before they begin or become severe. Few states, however, fund such programs at any significant level. The Commission heard testimony of one program funded by the Minnesota Department of Human Services that features several preventative measures that seem to be having a positive impact in that state. Many of those measures are aimed at youth, including the development of a curriculum that stresses the risks of gambling, speakers who relate their experiences with gambling, and the creation of posters and other printed material targeted specifically towards adolescents. Additional efforts have focused on other at-risk populations, including the elderly, people in substance abuse treatment programs, as well as specific ethnic groups. Tribal Government Efforts A number of tribal governments with casinos contribute to non-profit organizations that deal with mental health issues, human services, and addiction. For example, the Mashantucket Pico Nation in Connecticut, which owns the Foxwoods Casino, contributes $200,000 annually to the Connecticut Council on Compulsive Gambling. The Oneidas in Wisconsin contribute $35,000 annually to the Wisconsin Council on Problem Gambling. Other tribal governments also work with the Indian gambling associations within their states to fund problem gambling programs and to promote awareness of problem and pathological gambling through distributed literature in their casino properties. Federal Efforts the principal contribution of the federal government to the treatment and prevention of problem and pathological gambling is in research, including that through this commission and other entities. These include the National Prevalence Study undertaken by the 1976 Commission on the Review of National Policy Toward Gambling, 
a study of prevalence rates in selected states from 1988 to 1990, conducted by the National Institute of Mental Health, a comorbidity study examining the rate of problem gambling among methadone patients by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, and the inclusion of policies on pathological gambling in the worldwide study of substance abuse and health behaviors among military personnel in a report to the Department of Defense in 1992. In addition to research, there has been limited federal funding allocated to treatment of pathological gamblers by the Veterans Administration since 1972. Conclusion More research on the prevalence and causes of problem and pathological gambling clearly is a priority. For the millions of Americans who confront problem and pathological gambling, treatment may be necessary and should be made readily available. For those in need of such treatment, the gambling industry, government foundations, and other sources of funding should step forward with long-term sustained support. As the opportunities for gambling become more commonplace, it appears likely that the number of people who will develop gambling problems also will increase. Future research efforts must address not only the treatment of this disorder, but prevention and intervention efforts that may prove useful in stopping problem and pathological gambling before it begins. Prevention of problem and pathological gambling is especially important in adolescents, who appear to be a population at particular risk for developing problems with gambling. Recommendations the Commission respectfully recommends that all governments take every step necessary to implement all relevant components of the recommendations offered here, before lotteries or any other form of legalized gambling is allowed to operate or to continue to operate. Such requirements should be specifically itemized in a state statute, as applicable to a state-run lottery. Similarly, such requirements should also be specified and made applicable for inclusion in tribal government law and tribal state compacts. 4.1. The Commission respectfully recommends that all relevant government gambling regulatory agencies require, as a condition of any gambling facilities licensed to operate, that each applicant adhere to the following. Adopt a clear mission statement as to the applicant's policy on problem and pathological gambling. Appoint an executive of high rank to execute and provide ongoing oversight of the corporate mission statement on problem and pathological gambling. Contract with a state-recognized gambling treatment professional to train management and staff to develop strategies for recognizing and addressing customers whose gambling behavior may strongly suggest that they may be experiencing serious to severe difficulties. Under a state hold-harmless statute, refuse service to any customer whose gambling behavior convincingly exhibits indication of problem or pathological gambling. Under a state hold-harmless statute, respectively and confidentially provide the customer, as described above, with written information that includes a state-approved list of professional gambling treatment programs and state-recognized self-help groups. Provide insurance that makes available medical treatment for problem and for pathological gambling facility employees. 4.2. The Commission recommends that each state and tribal government enact, if it has not already done so, a gambling privilege tax, assessment, or other contribution on all gambling operations within its boundaries, based upon the gambling revenues of each operation. A sufficient portion of such money shall be used to create a dedicated fund for the development and ongoing support of problem gambling-specific research, prevention, education, and treatment programs. The funding dedicated for these purposes shall be sufficient to implement the following goals. 
undertake biennial research by a non-partisan firm, experienced in problem-gambling research, to estimate the prevalence of problem and pathological gambling among the general adult population. Specific focus on major subpopulations including youth, women, elderly, and minority group gamblers should also be included. An estimate of prevalence among patrons at gambling facilities or outlets in each form of gambling should also be included. Initiate public awareness, education, and prevention programs aimed at vulnerable populations. One such purpose of such programs will be to intercept the progression of many problem gamblers to pathological states. Identify and maintain a list of gambling treatment services available from licensed or state-recognized professional providers, as well as the presence of state-recognized self-help groups. Establish a demographic profile for treatment recipients and services provided, as state and federal laws permit. Develop a treatment outcome mechanism that will compile data on the efficacy of varying treatment methods and services offered, and determine whether sufficient professional treatment is available to meet the demands of persons in need. Subsidize the cost of approved treatment by licensed or state-recognized gambling treatment professionals for problem and pathological gamblers, as well as adversely affected persons. Additionally, such funds shall ensure that persons in need of treatment can receive necessary support based upon financial need. Treatment cost reimbursement levels and protocols will be established by each state. 4.3. Despite the fact that pathological gambling is a recognized medical disorder, most insurance companies and managed care providers do not reimburse for treatment. The Commission recommends to states that they mandate that private and public insurers and managed care providers identify successful treatment programs, educate participants about pathological gambling and treatment options, and cover the appropriate programs under their plans. 4.4. The Commission recommends that each gambling facility must implement procedures to allow for voluntary self-exclusion, enabling gamblers to ban themselves from a gambling establishment for a specified period of time. 4.5. The Commission recommends encouraging private volunteerism of groups and associations working across America to solve problem gambling, especially those involving practitioners who are trying to help people who are problem gamblers. This should include strategically pooling resources and networking, drawing on lists of recommendations these organizations have presented to the Commission, and working to develop uniform methods of diagnosis. 4.6. The Commission recommends that each state-run or approved gambling operation be required to conspicuously post and disseminate the telephone numbers of at least two state-approved providers of problem gambling information, treatment, and referral support services. End of Chapter 4, Part 2